and welcome to Worst Bestsellers, where we read about a girl who should absolutely not let it go, so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read Freeze Tag by Carolyn B. Cooney. Joining us to discuss this chilling tale is Trina, coven member who is the deciding vote about whether or not this book's antagonist can join the coven. Welcome, Trina. Hello. Hello, hello. Um, just to be clear, because we do have multiple covens in play at all times on this podcast, um, Trina was a member of my Peace Corps coven, which I know I've talked about how my Peace Corps group all sort of descended into a weird twilight fervor and started calling ourselves coven. And Trina was in that one. Hey. It was a very exciting time. <laughs> uh, by the way, Trina, did you hear that Midnight Sun is coming out? I did. <laughs> I don't know what to think about it. <laughs> uh, only excitement, but we, we'll t- we'll talk about that later. Uh, for now, welcome to another flashback summer episode where we revisit the books of our childhood. And um, I have to say, when uh, we were talking to Trina about what book to read, she sent this list and she just put freeze tag. And I was kind of like, I don't know what that is. I'm going to skip this in favor of other things on the list. And then, um, I don't remember why we looked it up and I was like, oh, you didn't say by Carolyn B. Cooney. And that's a whole different situation to read a Carolyn B. Cooney book versus just something called Freeze Tag, which I hadn't heard of. Um, Correct. Carolyn B. Cooney, uh, prolific, iconic, really, really wild. Just (laughs) always in for a real wild time with Carolyn B. Cooney. Yeah. If I had known she was such a thing, I would have led with that. Yes. (laughs) Um, and so I'm intrigued because then um, in our emails, Trina, you said that you, um, was this the only Carolyn B. Cooney book that you'd read? So once you came back and said she was most popular for a girl on the milk carton, I do remember reading that one, but this was just one that we inexplicably owned at my house. And so, yeah, for the most part, this is the one Carolyn B. Cooney book that I've read. I mean, okay, so I, as a kid only, and we did do an episode in the past, uh, a few flashback summers ago, I think, about um, Face on the Milk Carton, which I do think is her most well-known book, um, and then I did have a few sequels, and so I read that one when I was a kid. I didn't read any of her other books until I was in college, and some of my friends started this Carolyn B. Cooney book club, where they would request some of her wilder books from Interlibrary Alone, and we would like sit around and read them out loud, because we were extremely cool, extremely fun college students. Um, and these these friends had read a lot more of her books when um when they were younger but for me it was like this is so weird these are all so much weirder than face on the milk carton which is like sort of plausible like it's wild but you're like all right like uh, it's it's not breaking the boundaries of reality in any way it's just sort of like very implausible i guess yeah well and i I had reread this multiple times trying to figure out how she got her power. Uh, So I wish I had known she was a thing because I definitely would have read more of them. And and a lot of her other ones are like that where somebody just sort of inexplicably has a weird supernatural power that they use for ill. And then, you know, and it's not like it's it's not like an X-Men where they're immune. It's just sort of like, what if what if this yeah, I think I might have mentioned when we did the Face on the Milk Carton episode that, like, 
it is very strange that that is the book that everyone like that series is what everyone remembers her for and what everyone thinks is so iconic because so many of the rest of her other books were more along the lines of like somewhere between Lois Duncan and Christopher Pike mm. like just like these like weird awkward teenage semi horror but not really going all the way kind of things yeah, sometimes sort of supernatural and sometimes just like, what if kids were dicks? Yeah. Um, <laughs> just a lot. But um, this particular one is about a girl named Lanny and her heart is frozen because her heart's not open. <laughs> and I'm Let's so- see how many more frozen adjacent songs we can re- reference. <laughs> I know, right? I'm... <laughs> I've I've got I've I've got Frozen out of the way. I've got Madonna out of the way. I might be done, but I I might circle back. Who can say? <laughs> um. Okay, so this book it starts, and this is something we were talking about um, off the air, and something also that we could talk about kind of often is that it has this sort of it starts off in this sort of way where you're like, oh, uh, like are these girls queer? And they're not canonically, but it is something that comes up in a lot of Carolyn B. Cooney books, and I think in a lot of other media in general, where these girls are clearly obsessed with each other, but then there's sort of a boy in the middle who allegedly the obsession is about, like, who gets the boy, but they actually mostly just seem to be obsessed with each other. And um, these girls are Megan Moore and Lanny... Whose name I've forgotten to put my Anvil? Yeah. Anvil. Anvil, but spelled weird. Yes. Lanny Anvil. I'm just saying that name out loud for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Lanny Anvil. No wonder. No wonder all this happened. <laughs> yeah. Let's start it from birth. Oof. So uh, they are um, neighbors in this sort of, um, you know, low. Um, what it's I like a, a suburban subdivision that um, is all, it's like starter homes. It's all starter homes and it's all young families. And they, the, they say, uh, what the fuck is her name? Megan says at the beginning, like, ah, oh, like in, in that like way of an adult trying to write like an eight year old who doesn't know what's going on, like <laughs> that everyone always says that it's their first house and she's confused because no one started building a second house behind the first house. Um, you know, it's very clearly like suburban starter homes for young families. Um, and she talks about how in the subdivision, everyone, like everyone plays at each other's houses, everyone plays on the lawns together, like everyone kind of like troops back and forth, um, amongst all of the families in the neighborhood. But the best house to be at was the Trevor's house because the Trevor's mom had the best snacks and let them do whatever they wanted and was cool. <laughs> she was a cool mom. She's a cool mom. She's not like regular mom. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But the one family where the one house where that never happened, where the dad never barbecued on the driveway for everyone and the mom never had snacks and no one went over to play was Lanny's house. Mm-hmm. And so we start off with um, the kids are kind of um, hanging out and playing and then and it's uh, Megan and then the Trevor family, which is West Tuesday and Brown are the names of the children. 
And Megan's like, God, the Trevor parents, this is just another reason why the Trevor parents are so cool, because they gave their kids such cool names. And I'm like, um, okay. I mean, Caroline V. Cooney was very clearly ahead of the curve here. Right. These were very, like... (laughs) These are Kardashian names. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So Megan is best friends with Tuesday, who's a girl, and she has sort of a proto-crush allegedly on West, or is it on Lanny? We'll find out. (laughs) Um... And they're hanging out, and Tuesday wants Megan to spend the night, but Lanny's around, and she doesn't want Lanny to spend the night, and, like, Lanny hears about it, and is mad. And West? What? Just prior to this, Lanny had said, wouldn't it be cool if I could freeze people? (laughs) Right. Yes. For no reason. Just casually... Well, first she's like, what, imagine if, if you could freeze someone and everyone's like, doesn't reply because they don't like Lanny. And then Lanny is like, what if I could freeze someone? And then it moves on to them being like, okay, whatever, Lanny. Um, And also West is mowing the lawn on a riding mower and Lanny wants a ride on the mower and no, like West is like, no, this isn't a thing. And like, you know, it's dangerous, whatever. And then Lanny is so persuasive. So, like, no one likes her, but also if she tells you to do something, you kind of want to do it. So Wes is like, okay, fine, get on the mower. And then she's like, never mind, I don't want to ride on the mower anymore. I want to play freeze tag. And then Megan gives this, like, very artistic description of freeze tag and, like, the raptures of freeze tag and how, how fun it is to, like, stand in a cool pose, like you're frozen and it's, like, way better than regular tag. Um, I so I have a question. Did you read that as her compelling West to let her do it? I read it as West being a pushover. West. I keep saying West. I because West is a name. Um, because I was watching Nailed It recently. <laughs> um, um, I I guess at that point in the book, it probably was more like West being a pushover. But then later in the book, it does seem kind of clear that she can compel people. So maybe it was both. Maybe I, hmm. Yeah, just because um, at that point, Megan's like, ah, oh, like, West is so polite, he'll do anything for anyone, even Lanny, who we all hate. Yeah. But, um... And, and West, we will learn, is particularly weak-willed. Yes. But, anyway, regardless, she, she doesn't want that anymore, she wants to play freeze tag, and then when she tags people, they, like, literally become frozen, like, statues, and they can't move, and then... They are just sort of like, again, it's this like inner monologue of Megan being like, this is terrible. Like, will I be stuck like this forever? Like what? And it's, it's not just frozen like statues. It's frozen like frozen. It's frozen like cold as well. Like they can't move and they are stuck like statues, but there is a a cold element to it as well. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, Megan is afraid they're going to be stuck like that. And Lanny is kind of, uh looking at all of these people that she froze and being real smug about it. Uh, and then the Trevor, the Trevor's mother sticks her head out and tries to call the kids for dinner. And they obviously can't go because they're frozen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she thinks they're fucking around and starts <laughs> to get mad. Uh, so then Lanny starts to unfreeze. She unfreezes the three Trevor siblings, but does not immediately unfreeze Megan. Because she has previously stated several times that she hates Megan and that she essentially wants to end her to steal some parlance from later in the book. 
but uh, West begs her to unfreeze Trevor, and she says, "I to, or to unfreeze, to unfreeze Megan,", Megan yeah. and says, "You know, I'll only unfreeze her if you promise that you'll always love me best." And he's like, "Fucking, I'm eight. Sure, fine. That's whatever." <laughs> and uh, so she unfreezes Megan, and everybody can go for dinner. But they are all deeply changed by this, and they never play outside again because mm-hmm. they. Even though they never talk about it and they make themselves forget it, deep in their hearts, they know that Megan is evil and has destroyed their childhood. Or Lanny is evil and has destroyed their childhood. <laughs> but also Megan. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Megan Megan could be doing more. Um, okay, so then that's the prologue. And then, um, what, the girls are like eight at this time. And then we jump forward to them being 15 yes and um west is two years older than them he's 17 and brown is four years younger he's 11 yeah Yeah, i think he's in eighth grade yeah and at this point west and megan are dating uh, they are in love, even though they are only in high school. West only cares about three things. Being the manager of the football team, because he's not beefy enough to play football. <laughs> <laughs> Fixing up the old truck he got for his 17th birthday that needs the entire, like, engine and all of the parts to be replaced. But he's into it. Yeah, including, like, including by the way, the door handles need to be replaced. Yeah, Chekhov's missing door handles. And uh, and then like hanging out with Megan and making out with Megan. In theory, they never actually do more than just very gently kiss each other. But yes, their parents and, definitely think they're fucking. Yes, and and it's commented upon by everyone that like you know most high school girls kind of have to beg their boyfriends to call them or want to hang out with them. But West like is such a good devoted boyfriend. Like he, you know, they really. They're like the cream of the crop of high school boyfriend and girlfriend. They spend all their time together. They do everything together. They love each other so deeply and emotionally and so much. Uh, And one day they're at school being mushy together, um, talking in the hallway, heading back to somewhere after school. Um, And West has his mom's car to drive them home. And Lanny shows up. And sort of inserts herself into their conversation and their, like, awkward high school embrace where they're, like, walking together with their hands around each other and probably their hands in each other's back pockets. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to read a direct quote about what Lanny does, actually, or okay. about Megan's reaction. <clears throat> there were certain rules of etiquette, and one was that you did not join a couple who were linked body and soul. but lanny breaks this by like grabbing hands with them and being like hey i'm here also uh and she reminds west that he promised that she would always be his favorite so she needs to to be with him because clearly at this point he's showing that he prefers Megan more and he's kind of like, Oh yeah, sure. Fucking whatever. I guess we have to go now. Bye. And Lanny says like, if you don't like, you'll be in trouble. Like you guys remember, right? You remember that you'll be in trouble if you don't listen to what I say. And they all kind of awkwardly are like, no, but then they do. I mean, the thing is, and throughout this, it's such a thing where, 
I mean, these kids were old enough when this happened. You know, it's not like they were toddlers where you don't remember. Like, they're old enough to have this be a defining memory. And throughout it, they're just kind of like, oh, well, whatever. What can Lanny really do? She can literally freeze you and kill you with her touch. (laughs) Like, you know, normally it's like, oh, what could a high school bully do? Like, post mean things about me and well, they don't have social media because it's the 90s, post mean things about me on the bulletin board. Like, no, she could kill you. She could kill you and get away with it. So, like, maybe listen to her more. But throughout, they constantly are forgetting about Lanny's power or, like, constantly minimizing it. Be like, oh, what's she really going to do? Kill you. She could kill you. Easily. Um, there is also, around this time, some flashback about... Because we've, we've picked up with them being 15, so skipped a lot of years, but we get mentioned that... For a while, Lanny's, well, Lanny's parents divorced, and for a while she went to live with her dad and her stepmom, and they were all relieved because it got her out of the neighborhood, but then she came back. Um, because her dad died mysteriously, yeah, and her stepmom was like, not my problem anymore, and- um, And her mom also died mysteriously, so now it's just her and her stepdad, Jason. Yes. And her, her fucking stepparents are like, not to, not to pretend- uh, purposely make a very terrible pun but they're like fucking cold as ice they both (laughs) say at some point at various points to other parents in the neighborhood like well she's my stepchild so i'll never really love her and she's pretty weird but fucking whatever i guess hang on i do i there's so many lines in this that are just like killer (laughs) here is um her stepmom's quote that megan overheard and like Lanny was also in earshot for this when she said this. Experts say not to expect to get along for at least two years, let alone feel any love for the stepchild. So I don't expect a thing, and I certainly don't love Lanny, but I wish she would brush her teeth more often. (laughs) And everyone related to her just, like, says shit like this all the time. Like, she's just the most neglected child Um, And she's, you know, always described as being very skinny and wispy. She's very just wispy. Her teeth are the size of bird seed, which is upsetting. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of range of bird seed, even if she means sunflower seeds. Like, what is this? They they talk (laughs) about how she hasn't changed physically since she was like nine. Like she hasn't filled out. She hasn't gotten much taller. Like, she still looks exactly the same. And I was struggling to figure out if this was meant to be some sort of supernatural, like, she has these powers and now she's frozen at this point in time forever. Mm -hmm. Or if they were trying to be like, oh, she's so neglected that, like, she's not getting enough nutrients to grow. I mean, it's probably the latter, but... (laughs) Well, this actually might be a good time, I feel like, Trina, for you to introduce your theory about Lanny, because I'm into it. (laughs) Okay. So, again, I read this book multiple times to try and figure out what her power source was, because it's it's never really explained. And so I took a lot of notes on all the things that she seemed to be capable of. Number one, ability to freeze and unfreeze people. Super hearing. uh, People will say things about her, and suddenly she can... And, like, even while talking over a lawnmower she can hear them talk about her. Uh, She appears uh, without seemingly having moved. So I deduce maybe she has super speed or teleportation. Uh, After people are unfrozen, their memory of being frozen almost immediately leaves them, which makes me think she has like memory wipe capabilities. She doesn't Mm. age. We just talked about that. Uh, 
it's something similar to compelling. Uh, when she's near, people are frozen, even if they're even if she hasn't touched them. It's like they can't control their body anymore. So maybe compelling. Uh, she is able to respond to people's thoughts, even though they haven't said it out loud. So mind reading capabilities. And at one point later on, she'll pass the power on to West. So she has the ability to pass her power on to other people. So I think that she could be a vampire. It would also explain like, I mean, to me, it explained everything immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, some of this is not, like, traditional vampire lore, but you know what? Neither is Twilight, and I'm on board, so. (laughs) That's what I thought. I thought, like, if her freezing capability were her Twilight uh, canon power, then Mm -hmm. it all makes sense. Yes, like, this is her twist on vampire. Um, I buy it. It makes more sense than anything else to me, but, again, this is not canonical yeah there's no explanation for it in the text so why isn't she like why can't she be a vampire yeah (laughs) might as well might as well anyway so that's lanny nobody loves her like no any relative no one loves her and uh so the next day they go back they're at school again and megan's having like the best day ever she's getting good grades and like she's really good at spanish today And then at lunch, she and West are in line together to get food. And Lanny comes up and says, like, "Uh, you have to be with me now because I said so. And West's like, no, like, I'm going to eat lunch. I talked to you yesterday. Like, I'm going to eat lunch with my girlfriend. And she's like, if you don't, you'll regret it. And then... All the teachers start screaming because a girl that Lanny has brushed by, someone, one of the like 600 girls at the school named Jessica, which literally, is literally a, a, a literal quote says the school has at least 50 girls named Jessica, which is <laughs> very correct for the 90s. Um, has they think she's having a seizure or something because she is has collapsed to the ground and is frozen in place. And they're begging Lanny to unfreeze her. And she says she won't um, unless West has lunch with her. And after a lot of bargaining, West says he'll go have lunch with her. But she has to brush past Jessica and unfreeze her on the way. And she's like, all right, fine. So she unfreezes Jessica and she has lunch with West. And Megan has lunch alone and is very sad about it. Hmm. So they, they go home after school and or they're getting ready to go home after school i guess and lanny comes up to them and is like you're taking me home west and he's like i ate lunch with you like i did it we're done now and she's like if you don't do it i'll freeze your sister yeah and again so much back and forth and so much just like refusing to be like oh yeah i should probably do what lanny says Yeah, and that's, I mean, this is pretty much what happens continuously in the book for the next however many pages it is. Mm -hmm. Megan is very sad that Lanny is trying to steal her boyfriend and she's very lonely, but... uh, Megan's very first half of New Moon Bella about it. (laughs) And uh, West keeps spending time with her because otherwise she's going to freeze members of his family or Megan and they keep saying like oh like we just need to stop doing what lanny says what could what bad could happen if we do that and then they do and then she freezes someone (laughs) (laughs) like get it together you guys come on by the way one thing um 
one thing I was thinking about is there's a part where Megan is talking to Lanny and she's like, you gotta stop doing this. And Lanny says, oh, you know what I will do if anybody gives me a hard time. And she's talking, oh, because, oh, because her, Megan's parents have noticed that finally that Lanny doesn't seem to have any adult supervision. Like we haven't seen her stepdad in a while and he was the only one left. Um, Megan, we go check on that and just like ask ask Lanny what's up with her stepdad and of course her stepdad is frozen in the garage and Megan's like what the fuck and Lanny's like uh you 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 know you shouldn't tell the police about it and Megan is kind of like um eventually aren't gonna need to pay like your bills and stuff like you don't have a job like what is this and Lanny says you know what I will do if anybody gives me a hard time and this is where I feel like hmm because I get, yeah, you can keep your high school classmates in check like this, but are you, go, like, you can't go to Target and be like, give me my cart full of stuff or I'll freeze you. Like, can you? I don't know. Yeah, you can't, like, if the electric company cuts up off your power, even if you did go and freeze everyone there, like, you then you have to figure out how to turn your power back on. Like, there's <laughs> there's a limit to this. There is a limit that is not reached in this book. Um, there, so throughout this also, while this is happening, Megan and West keep secretly meeting in West's truck, which is not the, it's, it's so ugly and so beat up. His parents won't let him keep it in the driveway. So he keeps it, um, down behind the house close to a creek that's back there, which like I was definitely picturing my own back my parents backyard <laughs> during all of this which means something to Renata and probably one or two people listening but not really anyone else so I don't know why I brought it up so so they were able to like sneak back there without Lanny noticing because they all live like right across from each other so it's very easy for Lanny to spy on them and see what they're doing and it's one of these nights that they're in the truck that uh Lanny finds them and she freezes Megan again Unless West will continue going out with her and they all like watch. They're all scared of her. Like the, all the Trevor siblings are there and Megan is frozen and they're like begging her to unfreeze Megan and she's not going to do it. And then she does it. But only if like West will swear that his heart is hers only forever. And he does. And then she unfreezes Megan. And then like 33 pages later, they're already like, well, why do we have to do what Megan says? Or what <laughs> says? It's, it's wild. And also, I, I don't know. I, it is clear actually that a lot of this is Lanny enjoys the thrill of it and like the power that she has over people. Because I was going to say, she also seems like she has these mind control abilities so why doesn't she just like make them do it? But I think it is this like cat and mouse thing that she is enjoying the power of it more than she would enjoy the simple mind control that she sometimes can do. Yeah. She, um, so she, this keeps happening. There are a couple times where like Megan's very sad because she's very lonely. Um, because she feels like not only has she lost her boyfriend, but now she can't go over there as much. So she's also lost Tuesday, her best friend and like the Trevors are like her second family and she's real bummed about the whole thing and like spends a lot of time with her parents. And there are a couple times she sneaks over and while Lanny is out with Wes, so Lanny doesn't see her go to the Trevor house. And then she like hides on the ground 
so that Lanny can't see her through the window. And then when West comes in, like, they all sit on the ground together. <laughs> so they, they can call talk. it a war console. Yes. <laughs> and it is, except that they're not good at war. Yeah. There's, and there's another point, too, where there's something else they're trying, she's trying to get them to do, and they won't. So she freezes all the small children on the street. Yes, while they're waiting for the bus. Because she yeah. wants Wes to give her a ride to school. And so there, so, and he won't, because he has immediately forgotten about her freezing powers, obviously. But then she freezes all the, like, kindergartners waiting for the school bus. And he's like, okay, stop, I'll, do, I'll give you the ride. And this is where part of the book starts to, I don't want to say fall apart, but turns into a real head scratcher for me. Um, this is the part, not all the bit before with the freezing, this part here, um, where they're like, okay, we, we need to find a way to get rid of Lanny. We need to find a way to end Lanny. And Megan's like, but, but why would you do that? Like, why would you think that that sounds so cruel? And it's like, well, she did literally freeze children <laughs> theoretically to death if she hadn't undone it so that your boyfriend would give her a ride to school. Like, I get that she's never been loved, but also she's causing physical harm to you and other people. Like, I don't know if I would immediately jump to, we need to murder this girl, but I, if somebody else said it, I don't know that I would like necessarily rule it out. And Megan is horrified that they want to come up with a way to get Lanny to stop doing this, even if it involves getting rid of her entirely. Mm-hmm. I think that is like the moral quandary of the Carolyn B. Cooney experience is like, she's constantly just putting you in a mental place where like, can you justify murder now? <laughs> like it's this, it's these ethical dilemmas for tweens and, um, and Megan's not on board. No, the others, all the other Trevor siblings are like, let's figure out a way that we can get rid of this girl for good because she's terrorizing us and everyone else who lives on the street and has murdered at least two people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Megan's just like, I can't, I, I feel like you're all such different people. Now you've changed. You're not the people I love because this is what you want to do. And again, like, while I personally might not be the one to be like, hey, like, let's do a murder. If somebody else who was being tortured by this person said, like, I want to murder her, I don't know that I would necessarily be like, well, that's wrong. I probably shouldn't admit that on a podcast. <laughs> um, if you're listening to this and you're a cop, you have to tell us. Otherwise, it's entrapment. <laughs> mm -hmm. If you're listening to this and you have supernatural freezing powers, you have to tell us. <laughs> um, yeah, and that is like the 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 end, the ultimate crux of the book is like, are we justified in murdering Lanny, who has murdered several people already? And so we have mentioned uh, West's truck several times. He is. And, and it is every chapter mentioned, like, how he's always working on it and how it's so ugly and how the door handles don't work. So, like, Megan and Wes used to go and, like, make out in the truck, but they'd have to be careful not to, like, close the doors, both the doors, because otherwise they'd be trapped in because there's no inside door handles to the truck. So, at the, at the end... Um, West is out, like, with one of his football friends or something. Or, 
he's he's away in some something that doesn't involve Lanny. And she comes over to the Trevor house and she's like, where's West? And Tuesday, his sister is like, oh, um, I think he's working on his truck. You should, or he went to get something for his truck. So you should just go wait for him in the truck. Um, and he'll be down to meet you soon. And like, you know how much he loves to hang out in that truck. So just like, go get in the front seat and like, wait for him in the truck. Um, and so Lanny goes to do that, do that. And Megan is just kind of like, oh good, she's gone. And she doesn't think about it at first. And she's just like happy Lanny's gone and to be hanging out with Tuesday and just sort of like having a chill time at the Trevor house with It's uh, also it should be noted a chill time in general because they have just gotten a record breaking amount of snow. Yes. And it's a literal chill time. As well as a figurative chill time. Um, also, I do feel like this is a recurring thing in Carolyn B. Cooney books also. is just like the description of food and snacks. Yes. But it's so funny that um, Megan helps Tuesday cook dinner. And Megan is just shook because Megan's like, my family never cooks. We only get takeout or just like stuff that you have to reheat. Like we don't cook. And so she doesn't know how to like cut an onion. She doesn't know how to do anything. And then she's like, Oh my God, you can make food in your house and it tastes good. And she is shook, which is also (laughs) weird because like you've been going over to these people's house for years. Like it's weird that this is the first time she's experiencing cooking, but she is shook by it. And it's really really funny. (laughs) In particular, she's like, she cuts half an onion and she's like, oh my God, that was exhausting. You people do this every night. Like. <laughs> yes. And then, but then after she eats the meal, it's good. Quote, perhaps the Moors would try cooking too one day. <laughs> Not right away. You got to work up to a cooking. Um, but then this is the funniest shit. Um so then they've had their delicious meal and um, Mrs. Trevor's like, now we need ice cream. Megan, will you go get the ice cream out of the freezer? And Megan goes to get the ice cream out of the freezer and she opens the freezer. And then she just has this bananas daydream where she's like, oh, what if the vegetables in the freezer were trying to get out? They wouldn't be able to get out of the freezer because there's no handle on the inside of the freezer. Wait a minute, handles? Wait a minute, Lanny's in the truck with no door handles and, like, she's gonna die. (laughs) 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 And then she goes back with the ice cream and she, like, looks around and she realizes that this was Tuesday's plan and all the Trevor kids know that Lanny is freezing to death out in the truck. And they're all just like, thank God, like, we've done it. And Megan um, excuses herself to go and rescue Lanny from the truck. And she, at this time, like, has this realization, like, oh, my God, no one has ever loved Lanny. And that's why she's like this. And, like, I'm going to warm her, take her home to my house and warm her up um, in a gay way, question mark. Um, (laughs) Probably don't know and then so i was reading this um by the way this is available on hoopla if your library is hoopla you can join us in reading this but um you know i was reading it digitally and so i was like oh i'm like i I forget what way through like like pretty low through like 70 percent or something or 60 like a huge percentage of this book is not this book because I they get to that and she frees Lenny from the truck and I was like okay a lot more pages to go but actually that's the end um it's just her freeing Lenny and then bring her inside to warm her up end of book but then the digital version has this huge 
like wild Carolyn B. Cooney scrapbook at the end of it where she has <laughs> lovingly scanned or like someone has like her childhood report cards with notes about like her childhood writing and like pictures of her at, at a multitude of ages, pictures of like her childhood home. It's, and then, and like narrated by Carolyn B. Cooney as she just sort of like idly reflects on her childhood. It's so weird. <laughs> It is very <laughs> strange. And it also, like, it goes from childhood through adulthood. Like, there are pictures of her, like, with her first editor at Scholastic and with her agent. And it's just, it, it's a choice that someone made. And, and I think And it's it such a huge of, percentage of the book. I cannot overstate yes. how much of the book it is. <laughs> like, literally the last 25% of the book is this yeah. scrapbook. Um, and... It's an interesting, It's the whole thing is kind of fascinating to me because while obviously like I thought Caroline B. Cooney was iconic and a lot of people know her from Face on the Milk Carton, um, I would say that like Trina's experience of maybe not necessarily realizing that she also wrote these bonkers books, by the time people, by the time our generation was reading them, I think that was not out of, that, that was not out of the norm. Like, I think that when people thought about, like, these weird horror whatever books, people thought about R.L. Stein, they b- thought about Christopher Pike, they thought about Lois Duncan. And I don't know that Caroline B. Cooney necessarily fell under that umbrella for your casual mm-hmm. uh, 80s, 90s YA horror pulp novel reader. Mm-hmm. So to put this much dedication into a scrapbook of her life at the end of a digital a reprint of one of her lesser known novels. Like, I mean, I, I do have to say, I have to assume that when they put this together, they stick it on the end of every one yes. of her digital books, like not just this one, but yeah. I, I can't confirm that. I just feel like probably that's the case. The implication, because I did read the whole fucking thing. <laughs> the implication, mm-hmm. I think, is that all of the books that were reprinted in this, like, batch mm. got mm. this. Makes sense. And if you if you click through the end past the about the author, they li- they list all of the books that have gotten this digital reprint um, done to them. It's a lot. Um, also, I I should say um, that this was origin was originally put out um, by Point Horror, which I yes. know is a thing. Of course. I did not read them, but I know that brand. I think there is another podcast, actually, that is only doing point horror books. And that was, like, an early 90s YA situation that um, wasn't for me. Thank you. But uh, this was one of those. I gotta find that. I last, I think last year for Flashback Summer, I ended up, we didn't cover any of them, but... I fell down a rabbit hole reading about them, and I think I bought, like, 10 off eBay for 99 cents each, <laughs> and I still have them, even though I did a huge purge of my books when we moved uh, in February, but I, I did keep those, and maybe next summer, if we don't do all babysitters all the time, I will gently convince Renata to read Cat Dogs with me. Okay. twenty twenty. 2021 will do point horror and then 2022 all babysitters club to um heal me (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, but i'm i'm now on the point horror wiki page and one of the first ones was just called the babysitter so maybe we could do a mix and then that's where they meet in the middle 
Oh my god, we'll do all babysitters. We'll do Babysitter's Club. We'll do R.L. Stein's The Babysitter. (laughs) Okay, we'll talk about this later. Uh, I think we're on to something, though, for 2021. Um, Assuming we're still alive. Um, (laughs) um, Ooh, Carolyn, 1992, Carolyn B. wrote a... Okay, Carolyn B. Cooney had three point horrors in 1992, one of which was Freeze Tag, one of which was called The Perfume, and the third one is called The Return of the Vampire, which I'm going to feel confident in saying is about Lanny, and that's the secret sequel to this one. <laughs> Definitely. She she said in the um in the the scrapbook at the end that a lot of the books that she wrote, which makes sense because a lot of these point horror and these other like the whole reason we started Flashback Summer was that these books were all on assignment. That her editor would call her and say, "Okay, I want like a teen horror novel, but like with like not a lot of physicality between the romance and not like too scary, but kind of scary." And this element involved. And she would just fucking write one and send it off. And they'd be like, okay, good. Stamped. Okay. We're sending it off to be printed. Um, which is something that I've read about in, I think, an interview with R.L. Stein That that was how he got his start writing Goosebumps and Fear Street. Is he did, like, the unrelated novels, the unrelated horror, teen horror he did on assignment. And they were like, oh, like, your people like you. You can basically do whatever you want now. As a youth, I was convinced R.L. Stein had a ghostwriter because I couldn't comprehend how he could put out so many books at once. He is one of the few, it seems, who did not have a ghostwriter, weirdly. I would have put money on it. And who knows? He could be lying and, like, the the things that I read could be incorrect. But he, uh, like, it's well known that, like, Babysitters and Nancy Drew and all of those had ghostwriters. Um, but he claims that he just, he can write, like, a book in, like, a week. Wow, that is impressive. They are pretty short. Not to take away from his accomplishment. (laughs) They are pretty short. (laughs) From what I've seen looking at them, of course, I haven't read them. (laughs) Maybe the font is really small and they're very long. I wouldn't know. I mean, like, the Fear Street books are probably about as long as this book, and the Goosebumps books are shorter than that. The Goosebumps Mm -hmm. books are, like, babysitter's length or shorter. Nice. Um... Well, we're not talking about R.L. Stein, though. Let's bring it back to CBC. Yes. So I do... Okay. I was sort of interested in Megan's ethical struggle here. And by the way, there's another quote that I want to read that I am obsessed with uh, regarding Megan. She was 15, which is not a particularly kind age. It's much better than 13, of course, and greatly superior to 14, but age 16 is where compassion begins and the heart is moved by the plight of strangers. I'm sorry? Citation <laughs> needed, Caroline. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's just, she, as an author, just will toss off the most random things, but said so confidently that you're like, oh, is it? I don't know. Okay. Um. <laughs> And so I think that's what it's about, but like, um, is a, is about this idea of Megan gradually building empathy and realizing like, oh my God, Lanny's this way because she has never been loved. Um, and that kind of moving, you know, moving her. But, um, I, I mean, I gotta say, I think it's a little bit too little too late. Like you've known this for years, like, and, and, and no one, and, and I, 
I don't know. It is a really interesting way for this book to stop because you don't know, like, will her love heal Lanny or is this bitch just going to get frozen? Like, (laughs) There's also this implication that Lanny is, and I I don't know. So here's the other thing about Caroline Bucuni. Loves a fucking metaphor or simile. Mm, Loves them. They are everywhere in these books. Sometimes there's like three in the same sentence. But because of that, it's sometimes hard to tell what to take literally and what not to take literally. Um, Because she reaches a point where she thinks that, I think Megan thinks that Lanny is freezing West's heart, is making West more like her. Yes. And then also making the Trevor siblings similarly. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's supposed to be a metaphor or if like literally continued exposure to Lanny is changing Wes into something more like her. I took it a little more literally that in, if we keep it on the she's emotionally damaged side that she what like her negative impact was having a negative impact on West, who was then bringing it to the whole family. Um, so but then they also go on to say that he she passed her power on to him. So who really knows? Yeah. I wonder, and this just now occurred to me because I did take it at face value when I read it. What Wes says is, Megan, I can't touch you because Lanny passed her powers on to me. And if I touch anyone besides her, they'll freeze. And so he hasn't tested this out. Like, do you think that she really would have frozen if he touched her? Like, maybe Lanny just said that to fuck with him. Well, she asks him, Megan asks Lanny, and she doesn't she say, yes, I did that? Yeah, but she could be lying. You're right. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, listen, when Megan takes Lanny over to her house to warm her up and they fall in gay love, uh, <laughs> Lanny can also give Megan her superpowers and then they could be supervillains together. Ooh, okay. Yeah, is there a positive way to use phrasing? Yeah, ask Iceman from X-Men. yes there is you can make people's drinks cold for them nice Uh, and then um you know also fight supervillains with them although his powers are different but i think they could figure it out (laughs) or like if she can freeze herself you know that's kind of his move is to freeze himself and then he's sort of invulnerable if she can do that that'd be Mm. cool and to also make, like, those ice slides that he travels on. Yeah, I mean, that seems, like, maybe beyond... Well, I don't know, maybe she would have to learn. But I think we're doing spoilers for my Rock, Paper, Snakes game, so let's dial this in a little bit. <laughs> well, they could at least definitely open up a lesbian-run slushy business. Yes. Yes. <laughs> or popsicles in this instance, since popsicles are a plenty. Yeah, they are frequently eating pop. This book is brought to us by popsicles and by Pizza Hut, <laughs> uh, and it made me really want both those things. I'm very susceptible. <laughs> yeah, at one point, uh, someone comes up to La- uh, comes up to Megan's like, "I saw Lanny and West at Pizza Hut," and Lanny is or Megan's devastated because she went out in public with them, and I thought Pizza Hut. That's the thing you get upset about. Then I got to remember it's the nineties. I too would have been mad. Yeah, remember when pizza had had like fancy buffets? No, I don't think the one by us ever did. But we didn't. I'm from New Jersey, um, so we we were not. Pizza Hut was a a sometimes food for us because we were much more into like real pizza. 
But we used to go to get the mini ones for the book it. Mm-hmm. Personal pan. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Uh, I mean, Pizza Hut buffet was a sometimes food for us because that shit was fancy. I had like um, stained glass <laughs> chandeliers, had dessert pizza on the pizza buffet. Yeah, I've definitely never seen this oh before. It was lit. I would I would <laughs> love to be taken to a Pizza Hut buffet right now. <laughs> in a, in a magical world where you wouldn't have to worry about idiots We're, killing you yeah. with their in a in a post COVID post post Lanny world, please take me to a Pizza Hut buffet. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in the meantime, should we move on to dramatic readings? Let's yeah. do that. <laughs> All right. Well, Kate's going to start us off right from the beginning, right? When we talk about the very normal and heterosexual relationship that Lanny and Megan have with each other. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm going to read the first like three lines and then I'm going to read the actual freezing part because that's more interesting. But Mm -hmm. the first like three lines are something (laughs) as a lesbian reading this in 20, whatever year it is. Mm -hmm. Suppose Lanny said dreamily that you really could freeze somebody. The setting sun seemed to shine through Lanny as if she were made of colored glass and hung in a window. Lanny's eyes as pale as though they had been bleached in the wash, focused on Megan. Megan gulped and looked away, queerly out of breath. If she kept looking into Lanny's eyes, she would come out the other side. Into what? What was the other side of Lanny made of? Megan shivered, though the evening was still warm. She felt ancient. Not old herself, but as if something in the night quivered free from an ancient world, free from ancient rules. Tonight, something would happen. What happens is not them being gay together. Um, (laughs) Not yet. Not yet. Not Um, until the vampires return. (laughs) I'm, I'm jumping forward until to the freeze tag game now. Lanny surveyed her four statues. None of them moved. None of them blinked. None of them tipped. Lanny chuckled. She rocked back and forth in her little pink sneakers, admiring her frozen children. Then she went home. The soft warmth of evening enveloped Dark Fern Lane. No child shrieked, no engine whined, no dog barked. The air was sweet with the smell of new-mown grass. All was peaceful. Mrs. Trevor came to the front door and called through the screen. Game's up! Come on, everybody! One cookie each and then it's home for bed! Mrs. Trevor was accustomed to obedience and did not stay to be sure the children did as they were told. Of course they would do as they were told. But only the fireflies moved in the yard. Megan's eyes were frosty. Her thoughts moved slowly as glaciers. As if through window panes tipping forward, Lanny, Megan saw Lanny leaving the yard. Lanny was happy. Megan knew that she had never before seen Lanny Anvil in a state of happiness. Her smile shone on Megan as she lay crooked and stiff on the grass. Time to go in, thought Megan. Her expression did not change. Her muscles did not sag. Her mouth was still twisted in fear, her eyes still wide with desperation. Time to go in, thought Megan. But she was frozen. Time was something she no longer possessed, and going in was something she could no longer do. 
Lanny stepped down off the curve, contentedly glancing back at the statues of Brown and Tuesday. She headed for her house. Mrs. Trevor came back to the second to the screen door. I'm getting annoyed, she said and sounded it. Everybody get up and get going, please. I'm tired of all these grass-stained shirts. Now move it. She returned to the interior of the house. The lights and music of the Trevor's living room seemed as distant from the dark yard as Antarctica. Lanny stood invisibly in her own front yard. The dark swirled around her, and Lanny too went dark, her usual ghostly paleness pierced by night as if it had been pierced by the sun. After a few minutes, she walked back across the street. Gently as a falling leaf, Lanny brushed the rigid shoulder of Wes Trevor. West went lip, hitting the ground mushily, like a dumped bag of bird seed. Then he scrabbled to his feet. He shook himself, dog-like, as if his hair were wet. Megan wanted to call to him, but nothing in her moved. When he walked forward, she tried to see where he was going, but her eyes would not follow him. His, her neck would not turn. And I'll stop there, because that was so many metaphors. So many. <laughs> so similes. All right. Um, our next dramatic reading is from one of the several times when Lanny gives a demonstration of her power that everyone promptly forgets. Um, and so she's frozen Megan to make a point to West and uh, Trina will be our narrator, frozen Megan and Kate will be Lanny and I will be West. Megan lay frozen, stiff against the seats and the dashboard and the broken handles. Snow falling through the open door of the truck rested on her face. She could not feel its touch, but she knew its weight. It was drifting around the hollows of her cheeks and eyes. Soon she would not be visible. She would be one with the rest of the blanketed world. A statue forgotten until spring. No. Her voice was no longer rich with her full desire. It was a statement a voice for making lists and issuing decrees. No. It was a forever no. A no which would not change, which could not be bought, or compromised, or threatened. It was a real no. She was not going to undo Megan Moore. I am frozen, thought Megan. It was a queer it was queer the way her thoughts could continue, and yet on some level they too were frozen. She did not feel great emotion, there was no terrible grief that her young life had stopped short. There was no terrifying worry about whatever was to come, a new life, a death, or simply the still snowy continuance of this condition. There was simply observation and attention. It's like being a tree, Megan thought. I'm here. I have my branches. I have my roots. But my sap no longer runs. I weep not. I laugh not. I simply wait. And if the seasons change, I live again. And if the seasons do not, I die. She was surprised to feel no fear. She had been so fearful of Lanny before. Perhaps fear, too, froze. Or perhaps there had never been anything to be afraid of. Wes shook his head. Then it's off, Lanny. What's off, thought Megan. What did I miss, being a tree? She could see very little now. The snow lay right on her open eyes. There was only a yellow hole in the black of the night. It was the nightlight shining out of Tuesday's bedroom window. Nightlight, thought Megan. What a pretty thought. The real night, this night, this night I am going to have forever. It has no lights. 
She would be in the dark very soon. The dark always. The dark completely. The dark forever. <laughs> oh my god, the drama. <laughs> so this is from the very end when Megan has just had her amazingly cooked meal with the Trevor family, but then she's going to get ice cream out of the freezer. Megan got up from the table. She circled the big flat dining room table and crossed the kitchen to the refrigerator. The inside of the freezer was rimmed with frost crystals. Ice cubes tumbled out of the ice maker and fell into a clear plastic box. They looked like stones for a pyramid. Her fingers grazed the metal edge of the freezer, and for a scary moment they stuck to the cold. She peeled herself away and got the ice cream container out. So cold in there. How chilly the boxes of vegetables and desserts must be. Megan shut the door, leaving the cold boxes to their dark, frozen lives. They had to be there until somebody wanted them. They had no exit without human hands. There were no handles on the insides of refrigerator doors. Handles. There are no handles on the inside of the truck doors either, thought Megan Moore. Lanny cannot get out of the truck. Nobody knows she's there. The snow is coming down. The truck is getting colder and colder. Lanny can scream and kick and bite, but she will never get out. There are no handles on the inside. By morning, by morning, Lanny Anvil will be frozen. Uh, but then um, she rescues her. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I thought the whole time... Did they are they also not able to roll the windows down to then like open it from the outside? Seems like a real easy solution, but I guess they do flat devices because sometimes they do open the windows. Maybe, Maybe they... because it was so cold and snowy, the windows were frozen shut. Because mm. yeah. I also think if you were like truly trapped in there and truly determined, you could probably smash the window if nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've seen the Mythbusters about that. What does it say that you can or you can't smash a window? That you can. It was like how, to, what to do, like if you're trapped in a car. Okay. So and they busted all the myths and told you how to get out of a car if it was crashed and how to get out of a car if it was underwater and you know. Okay. So, but still, it was it was nice of Megan to go, and clearly <laughs> Lanny hadn't been trying that when she got there. So, um, all right. Well, that's that's what this book is like. And uh, now we'll play some Would You Rather. Would you rather um, be frozen solid or have to listen in on one of West and West and Meg's many telephone calls? I honestly think I'd rather be frozen. <laughs> <laughs> like any type of any type of romance in any type of novel, movie, TV show. I hate it. It's always so cringy to me. <laughs> That's why I would like it. I would enjoy... <laughs> okay, because in normal times when the library is open and not a disease vector, like, I... Well, it's always a little bit of a disease vector, but anyway. um, You know, I sit at my public-facing desk in the teen room, and teens sit, like, two feet away from me and have these conversations and just, like, don't acknowledge my presence at all, so I can get some, like, really quality <laughs> eavesdropping in. And it's just, like, so funny and charming to hear their bonkers like proto dating and all of this happening um so i'm kind of already constantly in the state of listening to megan west telephone calls uh, <laughs> just with different names so i'll 
I'll pick that up, no problem. I, I would say I'd pick the phone calls. Um, I, although I am a person who prefers to be cold than warm, um, I am also a person who has like a lot of chores to do on her Animal Crossing island <laughs> every day, and being frozen would probably impede on that. Um, and I do watch a lot of like garbage romance everything, so it probably wouldn't be that much worse than stuff that I'm already used to. Uh, and I probably, if I'm just listening to the phone calls, I probably could also be doing my Animal Crossing Island chores. So yeah, be like a podcast. Yeah. Um. Cool. All right. Well, our next would you rather is a tribute to some of CBC's metaphors. Would you rather fall from a bulletin board or fall from a dishwasher's wet hands? <laughs> um both of these were bonkers and i'm gonna go with fall from a dishwasher's wet hands um i think landing in water would create some sort of cushion uh and then i come out maybe fresh and clean Ooh. i'm disgusted by the thought of being in a dishwasher's wet hands i <laughs> i would rather and to me the fact that i was on the bulletin board implies some sort of like flat stanley situation so I feel like when I landed, I would probably be okay because I'm like a, a paper. I don't. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yeah, I would. I'm gonna pick the bulletin board because my image when I read the dishwasher's wet hands was a plate falling from someone's hands and shattering on the floor. And when like a paper falls from anything, it's a much gentler descent. So I feel like even if I was a regular sized human, if I was falling in that fashion, I would kind of just like gently float to the ground as opposed to falling very hard and breaking into many pieces. Mm. Dorite has arrived with some expertise about falling from high places. It's very good. <laughs> um, all right. Last up, would you rather eat at Pizza Hut or Steaks and Cakes, which is of course... Our beloved sponsor, the fictional restaurant from Christian Mingle, the movie that serves only whole steaks and whole cakes. Uh, By the way, I want to mention, I forgot when Megan was talking about how her family um, doesn't cook, they only get foods that you heat up. One of the things she specifically said was steaks. And I was like, is that? Is that cooking? I guess if they grill the steak, she didn't get into it. And I was like, steak to me is a fancy food and you have just like dismissed it entirely, Megan. Yeah. Um, I, as I previously stated, uh, I'm from New Jersey. I have very strong opinions about pizza uh, and Pizza Hut, unless I'm trying to get that big book it prize, uh, does not fall into my uh, general pizza acceptable uh, circle. Um, so I would very obviously, despite them, even if they weren't our sponsors, I would much rather eat at Steaks and Cakes. Uh, love a steak, love a cake. Love an actual good New York metro area pizza. Pizza Hut, not so much. Hmm. I'm with Kate. I'm going to go with Steaks and Cakes. Uh, pizza Hut, even I, I too have a, a very fond love of pizza. And even if I were to go with the chain pizza, it wouldn't be Pizza Hut. So Steaks and Cakes it is for me. Yeah, Katrina, it would be Pizzarelli, obviously. Obviously. Um, <laughs> which is the Dominican pizza chain for those of you who don't know, which is probably most of you. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is, to me, the most tempted I've ever been um, by a non-steaks and cakes food option um, as a like a Pizza Hut buffet that was like the fancy pizza in our area, no question. 
our normal pizza was frozen pizza or pizza from the gas station. Um, and Pizza Hut buffet, as I, you know, it had the dessert pizza. You could take as many breadsticks as you want. Like, I would love to be there right now. Um, but I love Steaks and Cakes sponsorship even more. And um, even though I am still a vegetarian, I still do love a cake. So just, just bring me my cake and um, <laughs> and I'll enjoy it. All right. Um, well, thanks for playing. And now we'll move on to Reader's Advisory, where we will suggest um, some other books to read instead of or in addition to this one. Um, I will say if you read this and liked it, uh, good news, Carolyn B. Cooney is fucking prolific and you could fall down <laughs> her back catalog for quite some time. Yes. Um, and I'll, I'll say too, um, if outside of Caroline Bukuni, I've name dropped all of these people in the episode so far, but along around this time, as the point horror books were coming out, there were a lot of recognizable names that we've covered on the show, um, who write very similar books, uh, R.L. Stein, Christopher Pike, Lois Duncan. Um, I would say that a lot of Caroline B. Cooney's fall somewhere on the spectrum between a Lois Duncan, which is usually much more based in reality, and uh, a Christopher Pike, which sometimes gets super bonkers, you know, kind of along with the the R.L. Stein. The two of them are just kind of sitting in the middle there. Well, this is obviously much more, you know, if you listen you to the podcast, you know that I don't like horror and I don't like to feel scared um, or bad feelings. But I will, so this is not my wheelhouse, I'm going to let Kate recommend most of these choices. Um, but one author whose books I do like, because I got a little bit tricked into reading them, I was like, no, this is scary, no. But um, <laughs> if you want to seek out a, a scary book, um, Tiffany Jackson is a great YA contemporary author who writes. Um, they're not all maybe thrillers, but like mysteries, um, but Monday's Not Coming is one that I'll mention that is very, um, um, like, well-plotted and, um, like, has shocking reveals and um, a freezer plays a part in it. So it's it's a great real like for freeze tag, obviously. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so if you're looking for more contemporary stories um, that are, you know, this sort of, like, horror-ish thrillers and with some supernatural stuff in them uh there's a lot of things to choose from just a couple we'll put more uh on the website but a couple that i would recommend would be uh the dead house by don kurtigich uh fiendish by brenna yavanoff a line in the dark by melinda lowe who i know that i have recommended a million of her books before and there are actual lesbians in that one so yeah and finally, The Women in the Walls by Amy Lukovics, who also, her book, Daughters Unto Devils, I have recommended constantly on this podcast and in the newsletter. I'm obsessed with it. I agree with everything that Kate just said. This is where definitely the types of books that I wanted to read as a kid. Um, but I'm going to go towards TV shows. So if you really like mysteries that seem to involve magic, but you never learn the source of them, try Lost. I've watched it twice trying to figure out where the magic comes from and they never tell you. Uh, if you enjoyed those two things but wish teens were involved, I suggest Riverdale. Oh my God. I have suggested <laughs> Riverdale constantly. I will never stop suggesting Riverdale. If you just... 
Um, and we recently read one of the Riverdale novels. Or no, we didn't read a Riverdale novel. We read a Archie horror novel. Actually, Archie horror is probably a good time for this because it's also just a book wild. Um, Lost, by the way, is another show. Like in addition to being really into Twilight and Peace Corps, we got pretty into Lost. But we had to like pass this. This is such a like in my day, we had to walk up <laughs> up the hill both ways. Um, we had to pass loss around on external hard drives. And I think this was like while season six was airing, like the mm-hmm. last season. Yeah. So if you wanted it, most of us didn't have a good enough internet to download it illegally. So you had to like go get on a bus and like go f- meet somebody to get like your lost download from their hard drive and then we would watch it and then and then as we got into season six it was just so clear that like oh no they're not going to tell us anything and we've devoted like (laughs) so much of our limited time and limited electricity to like trying to watch the show and like oh no (laughs) it was heartbreaking yeah when I, I started watching it the second time and I got to season three and I thought I don't have any answers to my questions because they never answered them. But then no. I kept watching. Every time they got close to answering it, they were like, never mind, we're rebooting the show internally and like going in a different direction. It was very stressful. Oh, uh, like like we didn't have enough to deal with without that loss. <laughs> um, but yeah, that you're correct. This is a very Carolyn B. Cooney vibe to be had on Lost. Um all right, good um Good TV, Rex, Trina. Um, we'll have this full list up on our website, which is worstbestsellers.com. And now we'll move on to our candy pairing, where just like um, the waiter at Pizza Hut Buffet will suggest the best soda to go with your pizza, uh, we'll suggest the best candy to go along with this book. Uh, I'm going to go ahead with uh, frozen gummy bears, specifically the whitish ones, the ones that are like more clear than anything, because mm. uh, they're hard to bite through a foss at first, but will defrost like your boyfriend as long as you don't have birdseed sized teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I love this because I'm I have such a weakness for there's an ice cream place in my neighborhood that has a dirt sundae and I get it pretty much every time I go there and it has like frozen gummy worms in it as part of the dirt mm. sundae and it's like it's such a delicious ordeal to eat. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go with another frozen delicacy, uh, the classic popsicle, uh, because uh, as an adult, it does not last as long or taste as good as you remember, <laughs> but uh, it's nice as a little bit of ridiculous nostalgia. Um, I'm going in the opposite direction. My candy pairing is a packet of hot cocoa with the marshmallows included, because this is a novelty that the Trevor household has that Megan's house does not, and Megan's very impressed with it. But also... Um, I find these packets to always be a little bit disappointing because they actually don't have that many little marshmallows in them. And then you can't like stir it all the way. And so it's like exciting, but then kind of, um, kind of actually hard to enjoy all the way through. Um, All right. And now we'll play the rock paper snicks where of course Kate will say who Dwayne the rock Johnson would be if he were in this book. And I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book. And Trina will choose which most enhances the book, or she can choose paper, which is to leave the book as is. All right. If Dwayne The Rock Johnson was in this book, he would be a counselor at the kids' school who would call Dyfus when he realized that Lanny's parents were basically non-existent. Um, he'd show her kindness and compassion, which would then thaw her heart if we're going with the metaphor here, uh, if it like was a literal 
superpower thing that was not just caused by neglect. Um, probably he would help her work through her uh, sociopathic urges to kill people with <laughs> her freezing touch. Uh, and probably no small children or any of the protagonists of this book would get frozen. Well, if if Wolverine were in this book, as we sort of previously started to discuss, um, Lanny's freezing power would be um, because she was a mutant and Wolverine would come and take her away to Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters, where she would get some actual um, adult support and care. And she'd become best friends with uh, Rogue and Iceman and learn how to use her powers for good. Mm, both good choices. I am going to go with Wolverine. Yeah. Because it, yeah, I, I do like the book in that it does bring back fond childhood memories and if the rock stepped in the book would have never really happened so <laughs> so i'm gonna go with the wolverine in this case and hope that lanny can use her powers for good there are no losers in rock paper snicked right? <laughs> um except for lanny because no one loves her <laughs> uh, all right what do we think the moral of the story is My moral of the story is do not get into cars without door handles. That's serial killer territory. <laughs> By the way, I have a, this isn't my moral, but my car that I drove in high school didn't have interior door handles, but my dad made some out of like coat hanger wire loops and they were very, <laughs> um, like whenever I would give people rides for the first time, they would be like, oh my God, what the fuck? And I'm like, oh, you just, it worked. I know it looks weird, but it works. Um, so... <laughs> That's just a personal anecdote. And also um, a PSA to West, I guess, is based on what my dad did. I think that problem maybe was easier to fix than you thought it was. <laughs> yeah. Also, just to, to be clear for folks um, who maybe don't know things about serial killers, um, I think that John Wayne Gacy actually did have a car with no door handles in it, oh um, which is what that was a record <laughs> Uh, my mind limped to the guy with the hook for a hand story, mm. um, where they find the hook on the outside of the car. I don't know if y'all know that one. I do. Yes. I do. Okay. I don't want to. <laughs> um, <laughs> my moral of the story is to be compassionate and speak up when people are being mistreated, unless you want to live in a world full of mutants. So. I kind of do. Yeah. So. Um, my moral of the story is. Love is a bird. She needs to fly. Let all the hurt inside of you die. You're frozen when your heart's not open. <laughs> uh, thanks, Madonna. <laughs> all right. Um, now it's time for Duarte's Corner, of course, where my uh, cat Duarte, who, shout out to um, Peace Corps, Trina, Trina knows Duarte from our time together in Peace Corps. Um, but he has moved on to become an American podcast and he will share his, <laughs> his opinions about the book. Yeah. Duarte, I, you're, you're as always so on point, so correct with your thoughts. It's true. And you know, I, I think I agree that if, um, there had been a cat in the book instead of a dog that is tragically killed by freezing, the cat would have avoided the being frozen and 
you know, run away very quickly and not, it would have been, been all right in the end. But I think that it's important that it was the dog here because I think the animal being frozen was kind of integral to the plot. So. Yeah, I, I think the book would have been over much sooner, I agree, if Jason had owned a cat instead of a dog. Um, as cats are classically drawn to evil, Lanny might have found love sooner. And you're right, the Trevors couldn't have been that perfect if they didn't own a pet. Such a good point. Um, all right, well, Dorte, thanks as ever for sharing your opinions. And now, do any humans have any closing thoughts? Oh, uh, no. Um, I mean, this book is whack. Trina, thanks for bringing it to our attention. Yeah, yeah it's wild. I'm gonna have to go and and create my own Cooney Club now because <laughs> I didn't realize how fun and exciting she was. Yeah. Um, well, if you want to come talk to us online, tell us about your favorite CBC book. Um, we are on Facebook and Instagram at Worst Bestsellers. We're on Twitter with. Um, at worst bestseller with no S because the S got trapped in a truck with no um, door handles and can't get out. <laughs> if you see it, please help it. <laughs> <laughs> we also um, have a Goodreads group that is best accessed by going to our website, worstbestsellers.com and clicking on the little Goodreads link. You'll figure it out. You can subscribe to us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, all the podcast places. You know what they are. Um, if you do subscribe to us, it would be great if you could take a moment to rate and review. When you rate and review, it pushes us up a bit on the charts and makes it easier for new folks to find us. Uh, if you don't rate and review, then unfortunately we will have to send uh, an unloved teenager, possibly who is a vampire, to freeze you or threaten to freeze your family members until you comply. And that is just a lot of work for everyone involved, so... It's easier if you just leave the review. Especially because it's going to take like, I don't know, five to seven attempts before you finally believe that it might work. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash worst bestsellers. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with Patreon, it is a service where you pledge a small monthly recurring donation. Goes to us to help us keep the podcast running, play, pay for our web hosting, pay our editor, um, and in return, there are perks for you, like stickers and postcards and a newsletter that goes out every month. We also have a merch store that you can access by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on merch. And we have all sorts of uh, Worst Bestsellers adjacent designs that you can purchase to wear our podcast on your body. Yeah. All right. Um, finally, if you want to just come talk to me privately on Twitter, I'm at Renata Snacks. Uh, and if you want to talk to me, I am at 14 across. And you can find me at Trina Marina. That's T-R-I-N-A-M-A-R-E-E-N-A. Yeah. All right. Well, Trina, thanks so much for joining us. It was lovely to chat with you. Thank you so much for having me. It was really exciting to finally be on this after many years of listening. <laughs> yes. Welcome. Um, welcome to the Flashback Summer Club. Um, the first rule is um, read, subscribe, and <laughs> <laughs> and um, we'll be back in two weeks with some more flashback summer with a, a frequently requested uh, Red Wall by Brian Jakes, and and that should be a good time. I hope. Yes, Lot, lots <laughs> more it? food discussion in that one. Yeah. Is that how you say his last name? Apparently. <laughs> 
Today I learned. <laughs> I think I feel like I had to learn it the first time that it came up on the podcast in some other way or like because I still haven't read any of them yet. I've got to read it before we do the next podcast. Um, but I, I, somebody mentioned it and I, I had the same, like, as I say it, apparently. Yeah, yes. I've been saying it incorrectly as often as uh, our flashback summer special. Uh, despite <laughs> the fact that I do know better now because people have corrected me, but. Yeah, well. All right, so that's, you know, that's just another service where Spessellers occasionally provides, as occasionally we will pronounce a name correctly, just just for you. <laughs> and occasionally we'll pronounce it incorrectly so that you get the joy of going on the internet and correcting us. Yes. <laughs> We're a full service podcast in that regard. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll see you then. Until then, um, don't get frozen. Bye. Bye. Bye.